Yo, Gooch. Yo! What's up, man? You know, my apologies. I um, I need to... I'm going to be driving and talking to you at the same time. That's cool. Yeah. Thanks for joining our Team Up podcast produced by Punahou School. I'm Alan Murabayashi, an alumnus from the class of 1990. As part of our Puns United coverage of the COVID-19 outbreak, we're interviewing alumni working on the front lines of this global health crisis. They're out in force, playing instrumental roles in helping their communities across the world during this unprecedented time. Mark Gooch Noguchi, class of 1993, made his name in the restaurant community as a champion of locally sourced foods and worked at Chef Mavro and Ed Kenny's Town Restaurant. He branched out, opening a series of restaurants before starting the Peely Group, a catering and events company. After giving a talk to students for Punahou's Entrepreneurial Accelerator Program, Academy Principal Dr. Emily McCarran approached him with a job offer. Join the faculty, but continue to work with the community. Mark's life work is a manifestation of the idea of Punahou as a private institution with a public purpose. You're Punahou's food curriculum specialist, but most people know you as a prominent chef in the community. Can you kind of quickly give a background of your culinary experience? Well, um, I'm very proud that this makes this year made 20 years in my industry. When Punahou asked me to come aboard, um, I think I, I, I feel very blessed because Punahou still allowed our company, Peely Group, to thrive. You know, they, they, they could have said, you know, we'd like you to come aboard and, and, and all you can do is Punahou. Um, but in, in discussions with Punahou, um, I think a, a good deal of the community outreach that, uh, that helps to facilitate the activities that we do at Punahou. Um, it, it helps that I'm still involved in my restaurant community. So there's this balance of developing curriculum and still supporting, you know, my, my colleagues outside of, of Punahou campus, which is kind of what we get to do, you know, which is kind of what we're doing right now. So obviously here in Hawaii, we are confronted with the outbreak of COVID, as is the rest of the world. I went over to FET, a restaurant in downtown uh, Chinatown the other week, and I saw Chuck Bustler, who is one of the owners of FET with his wife, Robin Ma'i. He told me that what we're seeing is, quote, an extinction level event. Can you kind of talk about what you're seeing in the restaurant industry in Hawaii? Yeah, you know, I, I think to, to many listeners, what Chuck said may sound extreme, uh, but for if you can imagine uh, people like Chuck, and Ed Kenny, and and the Lay family, and, and I can name all of our small restaurant family groups that we have here. All of a sudden, in less than a week, every single person in our industry has been confronted with the reality that they might not open doors when this is through, and. I can't orate the feeling that you are responsible for the livelihood of how many other people and you and and my colleagues have had to tell you know their employees I'm really sorry we need to let you go for the sake of survival and even after letting everybody go your employees you know in, in how many restaurants I've seen employees get laid off and they show up for work the next day, you know, and, and 
the type of dedication shows a couple of things. One, it shows a dedication to your, our craft, a dedication to our industry, but our dedication to our leaders. And that's, that's huge, you know? What doesn't the public realize about all the people that are involved in the supply chain supporting local restaurants? I think it is very hard for the general public to understand how small the margins are for us to, for the hospitality restaurant service industry to thrive on. People see our friends with beautiful plates, accolades out the door, magazine covers, awards, and they think, wow, they're killing it. You know, even when we had our restaurants, right? That, that's what people would say. You guys are killing it. And we might be busy, but it, every restaurant, you know, what was it, like 60% close in the first, or 40% close in the first three years. If you make it past five years, you've beaten the majority. So it takes five years before you get to a point where you can start building, if you're lucky, a nest egg. You're still very involved in the, the community. You're, you've been driving around all morning doing deliveries. Can you tell me what you're up to and to, to support the community right now? So the evening that we, we heard the news and realized that um, our education systems were going to be sh- you know, shut down and put on extended leave, uh, I think that evening I was talking with my wife. I'm wonder, I wonder how our public school kids are going to eat. Um, you know, almost one in five children go to school hungry. And there's a lot of our keiki that depend on that public school lunch. Like, that's their only full meal of the day. That's the truth. I'd written a letter to Kukua Hawaii Foundation, and Jack and Kim responded back the next morning saying that, great, you know, we had already gotten a few emails, and so a bunch of us started putting our heads together. Um, And then we got on a call uh, with state and city and county, and they were not yet ready to activate but community groups had already started activating on their own. So what we figured was, why don't we leverage our network and our community and start to help those guys that are cooking already. And you know, Alan, you know how, you know, you as a community leader yourself, you know how when there's like a big project, everybody needs something from you. And even though we feel obligated to try and satisfy all those needs at one time, sometimes the best use of our time is like stay put and start connecting the dots so that's what we did and we were able to partner with Aloha Harvest uh, who is the uh, the state's largest I guess food rescue company um, they have this incredible network of restaurants and outlets that will call them at the end of the day when they have extra food they'll pick it up and then they distribute it to to different shelters around around um, Oahu so we partnered with them Pacific Gateway Center which is an incubator it's a kitchen incubator. Um, and we started to intake uh, all the food and ingredients from restaurants and hotels that were you know, closing their doors or, or really, you know, paring down. And then from there, we take like, you know, a pallet of eggs and break it down into, you know, like four deliveries or five deliveries for, for groups that are, that are cooking already. So this morning... You know, all the driving around uh, is because our trucks, the Aloha Harvest trucks right now are busy. So there's a couple different loads that 
um, I'm just helping out with that need to be picked up. So that's why communities are, are activating at this grassroots level, you know? And even I had gotten a call from, from someone asking, hey, how can we as a state move quicker? And it was like, you got to trust your community. Like, they're doing it. They know how to do it. Hakipu'u and, and, and Ko'ala Poko, like, they have been feeding their community through crises for years, you know? But we need to trust our community. They're already doing it. There are obviously a lot of people who are working from home, a lot of people seeing the news and trying to figure out how can they help. How can the Punahou community help in this effort right now? Ways that people can help, you know, at the Punahou community is we have a community from every sector in, you know, in, in Hawaii. Health, medical, ranching, restaurant, etc. you name it, law. We formed a little website called Chef hui.com you know c-h-e-f-h-u-i.com where we're putting up information things that um, groups community organizations around the island need uh, but are also a place where people can email us if they have a concern or if they you know want to reach out I think that um, one thing that's important to tell our Puno community is that this is this is a marathon you know it's not a sprint so we are getting a lot of wonderful people that are saying, how can we activate now? And we're saying, okay, well, you know, send us an email, give us your contact. And as these needs continue to grow and build, we'll reach out to you. But I think it's very important for us as a community to know that this is not going to be done in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Some people have suggested go to your favorite restaurants and buy gift certificates, even if you might not be able to cash it in later because it helps these restaurants just stay in business for a little bit longer. Is that, is that something kind of in the short term that we can do to support local restaurants? I think that's one thing. That's a great idea. Um, I would also say for, um, for those of us in our respective fields, like the health industry, you know, if you are in the medical field and you know that um, supplies are needed, you know, I would say, like, throw it up there. You know, if, if you are a, a member of your community, that's how you can activate. Um, and people will hear that. You know, there are people that are more um, empathetic to the needs of our health health workers in restaurant. That's fine. That's great. You know, support it that way. I think that simply by the act of checking in our neighbors, one thing that we're forgetting about our kupuna besides just feeding them is, you know, they are probably used to being around family and friends and, the, and their other kupuna call, you know, their other peers. So we're missing that human interaction, right, is, is, is being missed. You know, Dr. Uh, Paris Puri Kim's husband started this sort of this, this kupuna delivery service and we were talking about it last night. And I think one of the greatest gifts that he's providing is he's providing a human interaction. So as a community, guys, like, hey, go scream at your, holler at your neighbor. You know, I mean, just ask your neighbor how you're doing, right? It's like that sense, because we're trying to still cultivate and hold sacred the honor of community, even though we're isolated. And I think that if all of us did that, the 
impact that we would have on our social emotional well-being would be immediately noticeable. I, I do believe that. You know, I know it, sounds, it might sound a little cheesy. Oh, you just got to love your neighbor. No, but for real, like more time ever than now to aloha the people around us is huge. You know, when I talk to kids about, about you and your career, I often point to you as a guy who fair to characterize you as not the best student in high school. Yep, totally. <laughs> I, I, I own that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that you found a way to find your own path and it, it didn't necessarily have to be in high school where a lot of kids nowadays feel so much pressure to define who they are. Can you talk a little bit about at what point you kind of found yourself, found what you were oh, interested man, in? You know, I'm still finding myself, I think. Um, but I definitely have a greater amount of like focus and direction. If I have found myself, perhaps it is that I do believe that my place in life is, is one in to be of service. Um, that is definitely something that has been a common thread in everything that I've done. But I feel like um, in today's day and age with, with media and technology, everybody is expected to produce and be authentic and, you know, and be the best human that they can be, right? That hashtag, like, you know, being your best self. Everyone is expected to be that. And when you're young and you're still trying to find the core of who you are, right? Like our youth, especially our high schoolers, are at this cusp where they're about to break off and step into that intermediary point of being on our own. Because most of us at that age aren't on our own, right? We still, we have a scholarship for college or family helps us. So there's this incredible amount of pressure to be somebody. And I think it's really important to slow down, you know, and it's in, it's definitely something that I tell, um, you know, students when I interact with them is, is don't feel, don't feel that you have to know exactly what you're doing, you know, exactly where you're going. And perhaps that goes against what, you know, some parents say, and so if I'm contradicting what you're telling your children, I apologize. <laughs> but I've been asked to share me and my story and my path and, and create a curriculum with that. So this is the experience that I know and how I got here. When you were a rising chef on the, the, the food and beverage scene here in Honolulu and, and the rest of Hawaii, you were a very early adopter of sourcing ingredients locally, which now sounds somewhat obvious with the whole farm to table movement, but why were you such an early champion of this, this cause? I, um, I feel that a lot of it has to do with uh, my time with Halau Kekuhi. My time with Halau and Hula sort of gave me definition on things that I felt inside of myself. I was always drawn outside. I was always drawn to you know, our home. Uh, but I definitely did not know how to parlay that into a profession. Hula started to give some, some definition where, you know, we learn the stories of where we came from. We learn the stories of the plants and the animals and the clouds and the rain around us. 
So that started to sort of clarify this love. And then in traveling around the world with Hula, started to understand that food brings us together. You know, and then food brings us together in in ways that um, are that are sometimes obvious, as in if it's your grandmother makes this amazing dish year after year. But it also it also translates into ways that are not so obvious. In other words, learning how to have respect in how we pick a la'al for lay translated into this respect and reverence for the food that we grow here. And I didn't realize that until later. So we, we got to step back just a second because you're, you're kind of downplaying it. So for the audience who's not in the hula world, can you explain what Halao Kekuhi is and who Nalani Kanakaola is? Okay. So I'm going to, I'll try to do my best and I'm going to try not to sound stuck up. <laughs> um, Halao Kekuhi is a very small, it's a small hula group out of Hilo, Hawaii. It has been multi-generational and it's a, it's a matriarchal where the women have, have held the knowledge the women have you know, through the kanakoles. Unless you're a kanakole, you're not going to be a you know you're not a kumu within that halal. And so the chants and the stories in the hula have not been diluted by subject to interpretation. You know, and um, they are a we are a pele. We're a pele halal that is the source of our energy and our knowledge and our inspiration. Our style of dance is known to be aihaa or low to the ground and it is a very intense it almost kind of looks uh in rough you know we don't uh when you watch halal dance you know there's a different energy you know and, and it, it's um we're not subtle <laughs> 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 the the Halal actually flew up to New York a couple years ago to perform at the Joyce Theater, which is a very well-known yeah. dance theater. And I hosted them for dinner at my apartment. And they had awesome. like two dozen people doing hula in my my New York apartment. It was unbelievable. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so yeah. great. There was uh one one time in Alaska, we got similar, you know, we got hosted in this this I, I think they were Clinket. We got hosted for dinner. And there, after that, it was like an hour and a half of Kani Kapila inside this, you know, little apartment. And they were dancing, you know, they were sharing like their their melee and, and their dance. And, and then we were, and Auntie Nalani was calling us up and we come up with small groups. And, you know, they, you're trying to do like a whole puka in a hallway. It was awesome. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Uh, yeah. We'll be in touch, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. You take care. Bye. For more information or for links to resources mentioned in this podcast, go to bulletin.punahou.edu.